0: Welcome to Toronto Today. Jim Taddy reporting for the next hour, leading up to gameplay with Matt Cause, leading up to overdrive with all the regulars, Hayes, Noodles, and O-Dog in place. And on our broadcast today, really tracking four stories. It's an interesting time. We now have the NFL jumping into the fray. So the NFL season kicks off tonight. You can hear it right here on TSN 1050, Cowboys and Bucks Kickoff is at 820. Our coverage will start at 730. You can watch it, by the way. Uh, Let me get my schedule out here. And you can watch it on TSN 1 and 3. As uh, the NFL season kicks off, and there's plenty to talk about, we're going to have Jeff Saturday by uh, to give us his analysis. He is the former NFL center, All-Pro, ESPN NFL analyst, Super Bowl champion, and uh, there's so many storylines, so many quarterbacks in different spots, so many debuting. Uh, it just has a, an interesting feel to it, probably unlike any other start to an NFL season. It's uh, it's almost like a complete makeover, and especially at quarterback, which is such a, a traditional uh, sort of trans transition but not so anymore it's uh, you know who's ever in uh, it's gone younger i guess is the way to say it you have that sort of old image of quarterbacks uh, standing on the sideline with a clipboard when they use clipboards trying to uh, figure out how to i guess run an offense and, and and be uh competitive but now it's here go try see what happens and so this is a different world and uh, it's interesting when it hits the quarterback situation because it's so volatile so we'll go over that and of course the bills open on uh, sunday at home to pittsburgh we'll go over that as well full nfl story coming up with jeff saturday uh later on gonna dive into some tennis uh, as we were all uh, thrilled with what leila annie fernandez has done so far and looking forward to tonight against uh Sadalenka, uh, uh Sabalenka as uh she gets uh, set uh, that's the number two seat she's playing at seven o'clock on tsn four and five and leila annie fernandez has captured uh, the sports world there's no ca- no question about that i mean we all understand how great she is but you can see the american response certainly at at arthur ash stadium uh, the u.s open and uh, the american media absolutely uh, loving what she's able to do and and uh, we had mark rowan the other day and he talked talked about her being uh you know the the graceful or quiet assassin because uh, the outer look is is very calm and um and just appreciating the moment but when she gets pushed into a situation where she needs the shot, Shot. And the one that absolutely floors me is uh, in the final tiebreak in the last match, uh, tied at five, the 6-5 uh, point is, is just a nice return off the top and then net down the line and right on the line uh, for the 6-5 advantage and, of course, uh, on to the 7-5 win in the, in the tiebreaker. Uh, and, and that's just comes up with a clutch shot you you know just at the moment when you think she's going to falter she does not and and comes out of it so we'll all be watching that uh, as i said earlier in tsn four and five um, at seven tonight uh, other storylines that we're concerned about obviously the jays winning again six three they won seven straight haven't done that in five or six years then complete their series with the yankees tonight wouldn't a sweep be nice there Barrios goes for the yankees and they sit in the wild card race. Oh, so close. A game and a half out now. And of course, if they win tonight, because they are now chasing the Yankees, it'll only be a half game out. So that's how quickly you know a sweep a series sweep against your the team you're chasing and they actually weren't chasing the yankees at the start of the week it was boston and before that it was oakland so they've they've done their job there's no question about that and are in pretty pretty good shape uh, other storylines will will follow throughout the course of the the broadcast here the hour we're here the soccer story canada 3-0 over el salvador clean sheet nice canada's five points mexico is seven usa five uh, panama five as this window of competition for the world cup closes the next the window opens again on- October 7th against Mexico for uh, Team Canada, but uh, very well played last night, to say the very least. And, of course, we'll follow the uh, the Sidney Crosby story. Rob Rossi will be on from The Athletic. Um, he's going to join us uh, at 12.45ish to talk about Sydney Crosby's surgery, and just before him we'll have Scott Mitchell on, our, our Blue Jay reporter, going over the Jays' chances of the sweep and what happens, uh, you know, even if they don't, they've won the series. So that's, uh, that's job one. And even if they don't, they go on to Baltimore for the weekend and there's a doubleheader on Saturday uh, in Baltimore. So let's get into the NFL story. Jeff Saturday will be, be with us very, very shortly. Uh, Dan, Dan Orlovsky, another one of you know Jeff's workmates at ESPN, uh, and a lot of people are thinking this. You know, I, I think that when you get to the KC situation and the AFC, not quite as, as adamant because the Bills are going to be a big factor there. At least the Bills will be. And there might be others that get in the way. But but in terms of um, the, the Bucks trying to become the first Super Bowl champs Back to back, first repeat Super Bowl champs since the 03 Patriots, and, and who was running that? Uh, the Bills, according to Orlovsky, could have, or sorry, the Bucks could have the ultimate season. Let's listen to Dan Orlovsky. Brady's going to focus on
1: two numbers 17 and 55. is a reality for Tom Brady and this football team. It is a focus point for Tom Brady and this football team. And I think if they get past week 3 and week 4 week 3 they go on the road to LA for the Rams and week 4 they go on the road back to New England. If they get past this or past those two weeks, this becomes a very real thing for them to go 17-0 because week 10 is the Washington football team and then week 14 is Buffalo. So 17-0 is a reality. And then 55. 55 touchdowns. Now everyone's going, Tom Brady's not going to throw 55 touchdowns tom brady threw 30 touchdowns in their last 11 games last year so 55 touchdowns with 17 games is about three touchdowns a game it is a reality that he is going to go chase down tom, or peyton manning's 55 touchdowns in a season record
0: unbelievable look at those numbers bucks could go 17 and 0, and brady could heave 55 touchdowns, and he sounded so compelling. Let's bring in Jeff Saturday, Super Bowl champ, former NFL center and ESPN NFL analyst. Jeff, welcome. How are you today, sir?
2: Doing fantastic. How are you guys doing?
0: We're doing good. I'm just trying to digest what Mr. Olofsky said. Bucks could go 17-0. and Brady could heave 55 touchdown passes. Are you on side with that? I'm on
2: side with the 55 tuds. The, uh, the undefeated, I'm just not sure. Uh, you know, look, I, I mean, Ba, you know Bruce Arians, the no risk it, no biscuit, and um, the aggressiveness they play with, and and even on defense, you know with Todd Bowles, and um, you know there there ain't no back down in either of those guys, and so um, you know when you think about the mentality of that team, some days it's just not going to be your day, and so I'm not sure that you don't have one bad day where you know your guys aren't playing great, and you're you know you make some mistakes, and um, so that to me the 17 and 0. Uh, is secondary to hoisting that trophy. You know what I mean. Uh, and so, uh, again, I, I think from from everybody's perspective, maybe than Brady. Uh, you know, the undefeated season is it is it nearly as much of a chase as let's do that. Let's 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 have that parade once again in Tampa.
0: Yeah, I, I think that there's no real uh, sort of game plan or map as to how they could win a Super Bowl chance. But but most people aren't doubting that that's possible. I mean, it, it looks real, doesn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely! And listen, the, the, their schedule. And in all fairness to, to Dan, their schedule sets up they could run the table. I mean, there, there is like like don't mistake how good this football team is. When I say that, I mean this team. They they are legit at every level, uh, at every position. I mean, you know, you can't go through a position and go, oh, you know, this is a weakness. Like there's some that are a little better than others, but I mean, as you look at this football team. Um, there, there is no doubt in my mind they have the capability. It's can you stay that focused that long after coming off of what you just did? Um, because most aren't built like Brady, right? I mean, this dude is just different in the way that he pushes and motivates and drives. Um, and so, yeah, as far as winning another Super Bowl, absolutely. And, and potentially, again, if they, if they start their season strong, they get through the Rams and New England. Uh, I think that may be what Dan even talked about. Like you addressed the early part of their, their schedule, I mean, they, they could make, they could make it, you know, a significant run. But, but again, you know, I think you have to stay in focus of what you're trying to do week in and week out. And, um, injuries play a huge factor, like distraction plays a huge factor. So, uh, make sure that you don't miss, you know, you don't miss that trophy for trying to do something else. Make sure you're on point would be my message if I'm Bruce Arians.
0: Uh, do you feel that Brady is the MVP at the end of the year?
2: Oh, man. I mean, look, you, you know, this, this, is, I'll just tell you this right now. How, how could he, you know, as, as much as he's won, that, that he doesn't get any, because it's all number driven, right? Like, it's going to be so hard to beat out other offenses and other players. I'll be honest with you, man. Aaron Donald to me, the last, maybe not last year, but the two years before, like, he, he was the MVP. Like, he, like, 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 he's his, he's the most dominant player in the game. You know, TJ Watt, that this guy is not getting any, so it's not most valuable player. It's like most valuable quarterback and it goes down to just numbers of who scores the most touchdown, you know, the, the ratios, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you're, if you're talking about wins, I, I think Brady has shown us all, uh, the MVP trophy means, means very little to what those rings on those fingers are, brother, cause he's hoisting a whole bunch of those.
0: Yeah, I mean the excellence is there, the numbers are there. It just it, the the story never never disappoints. I mean it, it's a complete one off, really, isn't it?
2: Oh my god. I mean listen, yeah, you know, we, we at the, I saw him at the Hall of Fame and and I'm sitting there talking to him, you know, he's at Peyton's induction and you know, we're at the post, you know, the post the the, the post uh uh or I guess the party, whatever you want to call it. We're there and yeah. um yeah, but, I mean this dude is just He's just different, man. Like, he's so laser-focused. He, he, he finds ways to motivate himself. And here's the biggest thing, man. He elevates everyone around him, and he does that by encouragement, by showing the fire and passion he has. But everybody to a man, and coaches down there as well, who, by the way, have been my coaches early in their career, right, Bruce Arians, Clyde Christensen, Tom Moore, who are all down there with the Bucks offensive staff, and you know, he is an incredible teammate, and like guys lay it on the line for him, man. If you think about Antonio Brown, and that he's going to the airport to pick up Antonio, that Grant comes back, that you know that that he can get Godwin, Evans, Brown, you know, uh, Grant, OJ Howard, and all the running backs, and everybody's fine sharing. Because they're all winning. That, that's because of the way that he leads. And I'm, man, he is a, he, he is just a different dude, man. And, and from a cult who competed against this guy for 14 years and hated him, right? Hated the Patriots. Like, like I now pull for the guy. I tell people, I'm like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Like, like, like I've lost, I've lost part of who I was because I literally cheer for him and the Bucks because of all the guys and how people think of him man like you you want you want good things for good people man and and he's good people and he keeps winning and how do you not cheer for that i mean it's just it's next to impossible again you got a colt who now you know cheers for a former patriot it just you know the world is upside down man it's just crazy
0: well, I mean, take us back to those experiences. I mean, obviously you're, you're a center, so so you're not lined up against him. But but having said that, I mean, when you're playing a Tom Brady team, I mean, you it's just it's a different level of concern, isn't it?
2: Oh, there's no doubt. Look, look you know you're going to be in a you know you're going to be in a fight. Like there's the competitiveness. There's never going to be a day where you don't think it's going to come down to the last drive, and that's how most of our games did. And the truth is, they got us early in my career, and the latter part, we got them the majority of time. time, um, but, man, <clears throat> make no mistake, those defenses that they had, I mean, there's Hall of Famers all over those defenses, and that they haven't gotten their just due yet. Man, the Richard Seymours are the, uh, you know, the, the Vince Wilforks, Teddy Vrabel, like Ted, Washington, like, Ted Washington, Ted Johnson, like, I can go through, Otis Smith on the backside, you know, Ty like, Man, they were they were freaking loaded, and they played as a team. Man, I mean Ty Warren comes in, Jarvis Green, like like there was just name after name and player after player, and they all played for the betterment of the team. They, it, it, there was never any eye guys, man. And I'm just telling you, like you knew, suiting up. If you beat them, you beat the best, and you knew they weren't gonna they weren't gonna they weren't gonna hurt themselves. They were going to play consistent football and do it the right way. When you came out after that win, bro, you were smoking a victory cigar because you knew you earned it, and and you buckled up, man. And I and I'm so uh, I'm so appreciative that I was in that in that time period and the team, and, and we were both each other's nemesis um, because man, there's there's nothing like it. I look back on those games, and yeah, you know, the greatest game of my career is when we came back and beat them in the AFC Championship game. And people are like, "Whoa." Well, you won the Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah, but I'm telling you, like, beating that team in your home stadium for the AFC Championship game, brother, it does not get better uh, or bigger. And, and I, I just – I'm so appreciative to even be a part.
0: I feel like on a weekly basis we're not going to worry too much about what Brady or the Bucks do. We're going to look at the other team and, and figure out if, if it's possible that certain elements can rise to the occasion and maybe pull off the upset. So tonight it's the Cowboys. Tall order. Dak is coming back from a gruesome ankle injury. Yeah. How, do you ex- how do you expect him to be playing tonight? And what's your take on the Cowboys' defense?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm a huge Dan Quinn fan. So, I, I, so, I, so you know, he was here in Atlanta, where I live, and and I uh, mean, I have a, I could not tell you how much I respect that guy. I think you will have their defense uh, playing much better. Uh, that being said, you know, I think I think Tampa Bay um, is clearly better in, in in every pretty much every facet of the game right now. So they got a better defense, they got a better offense. You know, so when you're looking at it, <coughs> excuse me, when you're looking at it, I just think this is a a matchup that leans towards the the Bucks. That, but when you say that, the the way the Cowboys could pull the upset, they do have the ability, right? They have they have playmakers on offense, and the one thing when you're playing a team that's as complete as the Bucks is you want to make it a firefight, right? Like put the ball up in the air, let Ceedee Lamb, let Cooper, let Gallup make some big plays, let Zeke have some big plays, like. Like, create big play momentum because turnovers are a huge deciding factor in NFL games, but big plays are another enormous stat that really goes under-discussed. And I will tell you, when you think about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, don't let this be a game where it's check down, check down, check down. you got to earn it all the way. You want to catch the Bucks in a blitz where you hit a big play, your playmakers make those plays. That's the way the Cowboys could potentially upset them is – just catching fire in that type of model. Do I see it happening? No, but in my opinion, that would be the only way uh, they have a chance.
0: Okay, Jeff, let's do sort of an overview on the league. You've got likely 15 projected teams that will have different starting quarterbacks from last season's opener. Uh, ties for the second most, uh, year over year changeover in, in the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl era. 1999 at 16, 2018 had 15. I mean, this was, this used to be a traditional slow transition and now it's, I mean, the, the, quarterback transitions are, are are wicked. I mean that's you're talking about half the league with, with new quarterbacks or different quarterbacks. What's your take on all that?
2: Well I think part of it is because of the way that the salary cap is set up now, right? Is that you you know when you have slots, it's not like guys when they you know the first thing of the draft didn't get in, you know, sixty million dollars so that the team is basically indebted to him for five or six years, right? Now they're getting the opportunity to bring these quarterbacks in, even if they're high draft picks if they don't work out or they're not what you want, you can move on from them and it doesn't, it doesn't devastate your cap for the next four years. I mean, you've seen Arizona, right. You know, with, with Josh Rosen. And then, you know, you come right back with Murray, right. I mean, you've seen teams move on from guys, understanding that if they can find that, that, that franchise QB, it's worth giving up what you had to be able to move forward. And, and, And even in like, think about Miami, that's, That's been the conversation since Tua took the job as well. If, if, if they had an opportunity to get somebody, same in Philly, right? If they have the opportunity. So I think what you're seeing is teams are being, are giving players a chance to earn it. And if they don't, they're going to move on to the next guy. And so, uh, that's, I think that's why you've had the rotation you have. Uh, I think it's fun for the league because you're seeing, you know, young quarterbacks come in. I think what you got four or five. Um, you know, rookies who are going to start this weekend that have all had a ton of, a ton of press from the last year. And, and look, man, fans love that, right? Like they want to follow that and, and it's great for the game. Um, but it's, but I tell you, it's going to, it's, it's development for teams because, you know, the, the, there ain't no learning curve, right? Like ain't nobody feel yeah. sorry for you. We're all grown men making a living. So if we can put that rookie and, and shake him up in a blender, that's what they want to do. Uh, to get some victory so it, it's it 's fun on the front end, man, but you better earn it on the back end uh to be smiling come january february
0: okay so let 's circle the uh, three kids, Trevor Lawrence with the jags uh the jets, Zach Wilson, and the Patriots, Mac Jones. How do you see their seasons unfolding
2: ooh trevor <clears throat> it's you know to me man they they just don 't have a lot right I mean, when you look at their offensive line it 's very questionable especially at the tackle position. Both of those guys have to kind of earn it um, and, and kind of bring it back. So from my perspective, it's, it's going to be – that's going to be a tough one to turn around quickly. Um, I think you'll see the ball come out of his hand really fast. I think they'll, they'll try to use the run game uh, in defense to keep him in games because uh, I, I think he's special. I mean, he can put balls in places that no one else can. I mean, he is definitely, um, you know, a, a special talent. But you're only one guy on 53. So, you know, how much can you do? I think Zach Wilson is probably the most intriguing to me. Um, I think Joe Douglas deserves a lot of credit. You know, they, they've, you know, with Vera Tucker and, 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 uh, Beckton and the guys they brought in the offensive line, I think they'll be better. They'll be run focused. I think Wilson is an energetic guy that people like. I mean, I think he'll have, he'll have, um, you know, they brought, they brought guys in and weapons to help him. So, and I think they have they have um, in, in Jacksonville as well in this conversation. They have true expectations, not not overblown expectations, right? So if they just get better each and every week, I think fans and management will be happy. And so that's a good place to be if you're if you're one and two in the draft, right? Is understanding it's not going to get turned around in a year, but the second year there could be a huge jump, kind of like Peyton Manning, three and thirteen, and then thirteen and three. I think that's the hope of those organizations. I think Matt Jones is probably in the best situation um, with, with uh, McDaniels and the way that he sets up plays. Uh He protects quarterbacks. They have a very good offensive line. They have incredible running backs. So they know how to two, you know, a two tight end system, very beneficial for a young QB. And, and again, he basically just went from one place to another where everything's very similar. So, uh, I think he's in this in a situation where he could he could hit his uh, his stride in the right direction earlier than the rest of them because of the situation that he finds himself in.
0: Jeff, thanks very much for stopping by, and I just want to close this way as a one share owner of the Green Bay Packers. You gave us 2012. Thanks for your service to the franchise.
2: Yes, sir. I had a great time, man. <laughs> Appreciate y'all, and thanks for the day, man. Have a great one.
0: Thank you. That's Jeff Saturday, Super Bowl champ, former NFL center and ESPN NFL analyst. A lot of stuff to cover. We'll get into more NFL tomorrow. But, of course, the big game, uh, the opening game tonight, Dallas at Tampa Bay against the Super Bowl champion Bucs. Can the Bucs do it again? The the predictions are lofty for this team. Normally you count on that Super Bowl hangover, but nobody's saying that, uh, which is quite a tribute to what they've assembled there. And, and obviously, Tom Brady leading the way. So our coverage will start tonight at 730 on TSN 1050. You can watch it on TSN 1 and three and we here we go again the the nfl the march to the super bowl is here when we come back we're going to talk some tennis we're going to talk some blue jays and continue on with the developing stories of the day this is toronto today tsn 1050 tsn1050.ca also available on the tsn and iheart radio apps
3: well, Savalenka is also a force in, in terms of power. To me, she's right there with Serena uh, in terms of, of power on the serve and on, off the ground. I think she needs to do be herself, you know, just be steady, counterpunch. Don't give up the baseline. Make sure she opens up the court. Um, I think Savalenka is a bit weak mentally. I think that's where Layla has a, a big advantage, uh, and she's not that consistent. She chose not to play doubles here to dedicate in the singles. She's never been as far in a singles grand slam so I think their parity in that particular field it's an advantage to to Leila that as you mentioned and we talked she has come through three bigger names than Sabalenka so in that aspect maybe she has a bit of an edge.
0: That is Nick Pereira with Mark Rowe at the U.S. Open in New York. I mean, that, that's a great uh, thing that he mapped out there. So Leila Andy Fernandez against Seba Lincoln, who was the number two seed in the tournament at 7 o'clock on TSN 4 and 5. That's followed by Zachary. Uh, she is the one who uh, eliminated Bianca against uh, Raducanu, who is born in Toronto but lives in, in England now. And uh, so she is unseated as well. So, I mean, there's, there's possibilities here. Uh, if you really push the envelope, that you could have two in the women's Singles final at the U.S. Open uh, that are off the charts. And, you know, the Layla Annie Fernandez story is not so much off the charts anymore, uh, just based on, on how she has won her matches in advance and how she has battled through and how she has come up with solutions and how she has evolved her game. It's, it's a remarkable story. We've detailed it many times over the course of the week, uh, and, and it just seems to grow by the match. It's, it's fantastic to watch, it brings a smile to your face, and you have uh, the utmost of respect for her. In in her entourage, which includes her coaching father, and and how they they sort of map out what to do and how she follows it, which is not something that a lot of athletes, I mean, good athletes can say that, but it's not everybody's what I'm trying to say. Uh, this is Nick Pereira with Mark Rowe on on what Felix Oj Aliassim will have to do to beat Medvedev in the men's single semis tomorrow night.
3: Well, he's going to have to come to the net and end, end the points. Medvedev, we know that he defends way back on the court. Felix is going to have to come in, cut those balls short, play the angle So Medvedev has a big distance uh, between his defensive shot and trying to get to the next one. But to me, the key is the second serve. I, I feel Felix sometimes doesn't put enough air under it. You know, he, he, he serves a bit flat. And he needs to spin it a little bit and then mix it up when he sees Medvedev returning way back. Don't go for the first serve as hard. Go for a kicker and come on in. I would like to see him do some sermon balling in that match.
0: So That's going to be interesting as well. That is uh, Friday night. Uh, uh, one semi has uh, Djokovic against Zverev. That's one against four. And then Felix Oje Aliassim, 12 against uh, Medvedev who is the number two seed in this tournament. And I think if you were to describe Felix Oje Aliassim, you would come up with a lot of the same words that you would for Leila Annie Fernandez in, in terms of uh, the d- demeanor on court and, and in terms of finding yourself in a bit of trouble in, in, in one of the uh, the sets and, and, and the response and how he comes back. You know, the goal. Going to the net is, is, is certainly a, a good point, but uh, anytime I, I think of that, uh, you want to control that just because I remember seeing uh, the Bianca's last, last match where she would drive into the net, and when you have to hit the brakes, it's a little slippery. It's a combination of the court surface and the shoe, and uh, that caused her injury. So uh, I, I'm not disagreeing with what Nick says there. I mean, that's absolutely true, but it is kind of something that you have to watch out for. So that's the tennis story. You can watch Leila Annie Fernandez on TSN 4 and 5 starting at seven tonight then of course the finals go for women's singles finals on saturday and men's on sunday so we'll have the the wrap-up in tennis talk canada uh, saturday at 11, 11 o'clock uh, in the morning with my co-host ken christina who's the director of tennis at the mayfair clubs let's talk about the blue jays now trying to complete the sweep at yankee stadium tonight scotty mitchell is here our blue jay reporter scotty how are you today sir
4: i'm well how are you
0: Good, and and uh, thrilled that the Jays have done their job. I mean, they've won seven straight. It's been, uh, what, five or six years since that's happened. And, and talk about rising to the occasion at the right time. You, you like the timing here, right?
4: Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, the, the time was now or never when you look at where they were sitting kind of ten days ago, and this is exactly what they needed to do. I mean, I've been saying for two, three weeks now that, you know, this team needs to, to kind of go on an epic heater and, you know, when you look at what they've done over these last ten games, that's exactly what they're doing. And you know, right now their their playoff odds are sitting at about forty seven percent after sitting under ten percent uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, this team's done exactly what they needed to do. And you know, it's it's not over once you catch these wild card teams. You, you have to continue to play good baseball. And you know, I've said it a few times. I, I think this uh, this whole wild card race, this whole American League race, is is going right down to the wire on the final weekend of the season.
0: Yeah, it, it gives you that kind of a look. What I like about this is, uh, you know, the Jays have, have taken control of their fate as opposed to um, having somebody else decided for them. Uh, the timing, is, as we talked about, is, is superb. Uh, and really, it, it's, you know, a nice little combo of, of the starting pitching and the timely hitting, isn't it?
4: Well, that's the thing. When you look at this team, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to, to feel kind of optimistic over these last couple of months because, uh, obviously, other than the a little two-, three-week blip that, uh, you know, the offense had in, in the month of August, which is going to happen over the course of a long season. Uh, you know, this lineup has proven they can score a ton of runs. And then af- after the deadline, you know, you kind of saw this rotation come together with Jose Barrios and obviously Alec Manoa coming up kind of uh, early in the season and, and kind of finding his groove. And then when you look at, uh, you know, Stephen Matz, he's kind of so been so underrated good in this rotation over this last month. Um, you know, nobody's talking about him, but this rotation has been a huge strength. And, you know, when you combine good starting pitching and a whole lot of offense, um, you're going to win a lot of ball games. And, you know, the bullpen has quietly gotten things together too. And I don't know if you can call it a strength at this point, but it's definitely not the, uh, you know, the unit that we saw at the end of May, uh, early, early June when, uh, they were blown games. So I, I think when you look at where this team sits right now in terms of, um, you know, overall, quality baseball um you know i I think they're uh you know they're pretty happy with where they're at and they just need to continue to play this consistent brand of baseball that really we haven't seen all year until uh you know this last couple weeks and we've we've seen it in spurts but you know if they can continue to play like this um you know they're not playing over their heads right now this is how good this ball club can be um you know if they're
0: consistent I'm going to throw a number of, of things at you. I'd like your reaction to it. And it's based on where they are right now. The, the winning, obviously. And because of the way they're winning, uh, a lot of baseball observers go, hey, this is a team you don't want to meet in postseason. So so that's a change. Um, the other one is is that because they're winning and, and how they're winning, uh, sort of that narrative about Ray and, and Semyon next year has, has dissipated. Uh, people are enjoying the moment. But also, you know, the other thing I'm going to throw at you is when you watch this team uh, achieve what it's doing over the last week or so, you're thinking uh you know it's not like it would have been uh, a couple of years what 2015-16 that's not a roll of the dice this is opening the door to uh, a lot of good years and and of course the ray simeon thing will will have to work itself out with those two players but but it is sort of a a, a look to the future isn't it
4: yeah look i mean uh, you know a lot of people have made comparisons with the 2015 team just you know being a, a decent team in the first half and then really kind of surging in the second half but yeah, personnel wise and, and where this organization stands, it, it's completely different. I mean, this is the start of things and, you know, even if this team falls short in the end, whether it's, you know, on the final day of the regular season or in a wild card game or if they get to the ALDS, I mean, even if this team falls short, I mean, next year, uh, this team is expected to be better, not only because they have resources to go out and improve, the roster from, from outside, but obviously these kids, um, you know, they haven't reached anywhere close to their ceiling at this point. I mean, you know, Vladdy's putting up MVP numbers and I, I expect that to continue, you know, health permitting, uh, throughout this decade. So when you look at some of the other guys, obviously Cabin Fugio down here, Boba Shet, there's another level there and, and he's still a young player trying to find his way. And, you know, you look at George Springer, obviously. Haven't gotten a, you know, a full healthy season out of him. So, you know, I think when you look at where this team goes over these next three, four weeks, yeah, the, you know, everything that happens is going to be fun for this fan base. But really the, the fun is that this competitive window is, is just really opening up. And yeah, I think this team is, uh, you know, going to be a threat in the American League, uh, East and then not just the American League East, but the American League for, you know, these next two, three years. And, yeah, it's a it's a World Series window. It's not just uh hey, this is fun, let's try to compete for, you know, a post-season spot. This is uh, you know, World Series or bust when you start to think about 2022 and beyond.
0: I, I think one of the the more intriguing things in professional sports, I actually, could apply that to to any level of sports, is is when you see a team or a group of players or a group of athletes uh, realizing what they're capable of. And and for Vladdy, the the home run last night that sealed it is is one of those moments where you know there's a guy you know taking uh, a step forward and and you know answering some critics about him being able to play the full 162 because there was a little little I guess uh, fatigue earlier a couple of weeks ago, and then there's Manoa, uh, and so he's pitching, and in the top of the fifth, up against the rails in the dugout, cheering his team on, and then comes out in the bottom of the fifth and has a bit of an issue. But but it's still that that exuberance, you know. I mean, he's going to learn his lesson, but but there's that they're, they're sort of figuring it out. You could see it on their faces and and how they're playing, can't you?
4: Yeah, it, it looks like a team that, that's playing pretty free and easy. Even you know when they were going through their their downturn and, and losing some games, and, and people thought they were falling out of it. Uh, you know, just being the, being around them down at the ballpark, it, it's not a team that has a high stress level overall. Um, you know, it's a group of young kids that, you know, believe in themselves. And, and Bo Bichette's a guy who has has told us in the media for a couple of years now that he thinks this, this team can compete uh, way before anyone else does. And, you know, they kind of proved that last year and, and they're proving it again this year. And yeah, I, I think this is a team that you know, enjoys, uh, being around one another and enjoys playing baseball. And, and, you know, that's kind of showing on the field and that they're, they're playing pretty free and easy, no matter the result. And, uh, you know, Charlie Montoya talks about that a lot. I think that is, uh, you know, kind of the dynamic of this team is that they're a a young group with, you know, a a bunch of kind of veteran leaders sprinkled in and Springer and Simeon and, and some of the pitching staff guys like that. But, uh, you know, I think overall this is a, a young group that is really just kind of enjoying themselves right now and and not getting caught up in uh, you know the pressure of of a playoff run at this point. And you know, we'll see how that develops over the next three four weeks because you know this is it. This is all new to these guys. And when we were talking about uh, Vladdy Jr., um, you know, and his scuffles during the month of of August, kind of everyone thought you know he was going to get out of it and. And he's obviously shown that it was just, uh, you know, one of those things that that happens in a long season. It's really hard to OPS a thousand for an entire season. And, you know, Vladdy showed that he's human, but obviously, um, you know, that downturn might have come at the exact right time because he looks like he's going to, you know, be on, on fire down the stretch here and they're absolutely going to need that. So, um, you know, it's just, it, it's going to be interesting to continue to watch the dynamic of this young team and, and how they, um, you know, deal with some of this pressure. How they deal with some of these situations, and you know how they deal with uh, you know the final week or so of this season with uh, with likely what what looks to be a playoff spot on the line.
0: Yeah, uh, well said. I mean, it's exciting. That they're in the position to to sweep the Yankees today. Don't know if that happens. And you know, quite frankly, uh, you know they won the series, which is job one. So even if they lose, they're, they're three and one against the Yankees. And then going to Baltimore for the weekend and a, and a key doubleheader on Saturday. Who, who do you think starts uh, the, the second half of that?
4: Well, it's an interesting one. I think they'll line it up and, and try to get uh, you know as many veteran guys as, as they can in there. Um, you know, I think with uh, Ross Stripling kind of on his way back after sh- um, a rehab start the other night, I think they could get creative in that one. And obviously, the fact that you're playing the Orioles in a in a seven uh, seven inning game um, probably allows for the fact that uh, you can get a little creative and feel a little bit more confident than if you're playing any other team, but. Yeah, I mean, look, the the Jays have done what they needed to do this week in New York. And, you know, three out of four, um, they'd love that Uh sweep. They'd love that as well. But, you know, now the point is they're in the race. They're in the mix. They're right there with those teams. And now it's just about continuing to play consistent baseball and not having one of those uh, you know, two, three, four day um, windows where you lose two, three, four games because that'll set you right back and, and put you back in the position that you were in before. So, you know, now it's about now that you've caught up, it's about keeping pace and and continuing to play good baseball. And when you look at those bats and and how they've kind of reacted over this past week, I, I think this offense is going to score more than enough runs to to keep them in the mix here.
0: Mr. Mitchell, thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right, pal. Anytime. All right, thank you. That's Scott Mitchell, our TSN Blue Jays reporter. And uh, so they wrap up tonight at Yankee Stadium. Again, Barrios goes for the Jays. They've won seven straight, and you've got to go back, uh, I think it's uh, six years since they've done that. So that's nice, and, and talk about good timing. Uh, and Speaking of good timing, on Overdrive today at 425, Robbie Ray will be the guest with Hayes, Noodles, and Dog. So we look forward to that. Blue Jay pitcher Robbie Ray on Overdrive at 425 today uh, yesterday was Hall of Fame day for Major League Baseball and uh, you know first of all uh, congrats to Larry Walker first Canadian position player to get in Ferguson Jenkins was on the podium first Canadian position uh, uh, to get in, based on his uh, pitching, of course, with the Cubs and, and other teams, the Rangers, etc. Uh, Fergie Jenkins is is a really unique Canadian baseball story. But so's Larry Walker. I mean, you know, and, and he mentioned a lot about Montreal and the Expos, and of course, that sort of fuels the the conversation about would Major League Baseball ever return to Montreal? And it seems to be a story that that resuscitates itself almost on a yearly basis. And Larry Walker was the reason why. Yesterday, I was talking to somebody earlier about Larry Walker. How would I sum him up? Well, in sports, you get these situations that have never happened and people point that out, you know, no Canadian has ever or, you know, just put in the the country of of the athlete that's never done something before um, or their background and then all of a sudden, dude shows up and does it? And as you're watching him do it, as we watch Larry Walker break in with the Expos, you're going, "So, so why couldn't have this happen before? Because he did it with such ease and and broke down. Uh, you know, I, I guess a stereotype about Canadian position players in, in Major League Baseball, and, and so opened a door. Uh, you know, Joey Votto certainly will will get some credit for that when when he gets put in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's just a great story, Larry Walker, and, and so it was great to see him honored and and entered or uh, uh, sort of welcomed into the uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday. And then there was. Derek eric jeter who was welcomed in and, and just one short of being unanimous in his selection and of course uh, he wouldn't let that slip when he thanked uh, all those in his acceptance speech let's listen in thank you to
4: uh, the baseball writers all but one of you who voted for me <laughs> and everyone everyone uh everyone who, who covered me during my career
0: well, he had to, right? I mean, come on. One person doesn't vote and uh, such a great career. We'll leave it at that. When we come back, going to talk with Rob Rossi, senior writer for The Athletic, covering the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sid, the kid, has wrist surgery, but where does it leave the Penguins? We'll find out next. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Toronto Today, Jim Daddy with you at the top of the hour. Then it's gameplay with Matt Cause, and then it's overdrive. And again, Rob, Robbie Ray will be on uh, with the overdrive guys at 425 so that'll be an interesting conversation let's talk now with rob rossi senior writer for the athletic covering the penguins rob how are you today sir
1: oh i'm lovely gentlemen how are you
0: Uh, everything's good everything's good here we're concerned of course about Sidney crosby (laughs) left left wrist surgery and and you know uh, ron hextall did a nice job of explaining you know that that they tried everything and and this is where they wound up Uh, so what what can you add to that situation
1: well, for, uh, you know, I mean, I guess to elaborate a little more on it, you know, Sid's had a chronic sort of left wrist uh, uh, injury or, you know, left wrist discomfort for years now. He had surgery on it last off offseason. Um, you know, when, when everything was going on with free agency and, and that, you know, the consensus was by Sid's team and the Penguins was that this wasn't something that required surgery, that they could – They could get by with some more non, you know, some more traditionally conservative treatments. But, you know, it's my understanding that when he, when he got back into the heavier training and certainly when he got back to Pittsburgh, it was like, look, this isn't getting any better. And I think then the decision becomes you're going to need surgery at some point if you want to be what, you know, comfortable. If you want to be anywhere close to 100% this year, when do you get it? I don't think there's ever a good time to get it for a hockey player, but the truth is, it's my understanding he got the surgery about within about a week to 10 days of, you know, them finally all agreeing that surgery was the best, the best and last option.
0: So, I mean, he's out to start camp, and, and uh, Malkin will be out at the start of the season recovering from a knee injury. Yeah. Uh, how, do, how do they backfill on that? I mean, obviously they, they would enjoy the cap space, but how do they backfill?
1: Well, they can't enjoy the cap space because, you know, Sydney's going to be out a minimum of six weeks. Um, let's just say he misses the first month. You can't fill his nine seven in the cap because you know you got to bring him back. Malkin's probably going to be out a minimum of two months, more likely longer than more likely he wouldn't be getting back before December anyway. Uh, then you add his nine point five. I mean, they'll be able to use a little bit of it if they want, maybe to you know um, add some guys that you know could be available early in the season via trade. They did invite. Brian Boyle to camp on a PTO. I imagine they'll probably look to sign him if they like what they see early in camp to shore them up, uh, certainly at forward. But uh, I think this is one of those things where they're going to have to win some hockey games, um, low scoring, and hope that guys like Jeff Carter and Teddy Bluger, who ideally would be the number three and four centers on this team, you, you just hope if you're the Penguins now they stay healthy and they can give you six, you know, a month to six weeks as a playing way above SWAT as opposed to just above SWAT.
0: Uh, reading your piece in The Athletic uh, posted the other day, and, and the question is, is the uh, the Stanley Cup window still open for the Penguins? What's your read on that? What, what, what do you think? Is it open, or, or is it is it really getting close to closing?
1: Well, I would say right now it's closed because, you know, their two best players are not going to start the season. And, you know, one of them's had three surgeries. And, you know, Sidney Crosby's had a sports hernia surgery and a two wrist surgeries in the past 24 months is getting Malkin significantly injured his knee during the season. Uh, He had surgery on multiple ligaments to that same knee after the season, after injuring it again and um, in the playoffs. And that's also the knee that, um, let's face it, that's the knee that he had repaired 10 years ago. And you look, they're both in their mid-30s now. Now that said, I've written off the Penguins enough to know betting against them is the court sort of ridicule. But um, I would say right now you can't look at them going into a season where Crosby and Malkin are your best two players. They've been the foundation on which everything's been built here in Pittsburgh. When you don't have those guys available for the first perhaps month of the season and you don't know what you're going to get from them when they get back, just given the nature of their injuries and their ages, I would think it would be hard to say the Penguins are a Stanley cup team, but that doesn't mean they couldn't get by until those guys both get back, or at least one of them gets back, and then go on a little run, I think there's potential for that here. But, boy, this is the, this is the toughest beginning of a season they've had since I've covered them. And I, I've i covered every, every year since the, uh, the year-long walkout.
0: Yeah, you know, you sort of look at this situation. I mean, they've got great mileage out of these players. There's no question about it. And they've made all the right moves to stay competitive and win back-to-back cups. Uh, you know, has anybody ever talked about, you know, how how do they transition out? I mean, th- these are two really great Hall of Fame hockey players. Has, has anybody ever addressed that?
1: Well, I mean, the players have, you know, said Evgeny Malkin's in the last year of his contract, so is Chris Letang. Um, Both of those players have been pretty emphatic that they want to remain in Pittsburgh for the duration of their career. Um, Malkins told me that on several occasions, as has Latang. Crosby has said he would like to see them play here with him. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He's got, I believe, uh, four years left as of this season. So uh, I don't know how you transition it, because in one way, it probably makes sense to start thinking about maybe you move on from two of the three and keep Sid around, presuming he wants Sid. But at the same time, replacing those guys—they're still really good players when they're healthy. And if they've been willing, if they're willing again, as they have been in the past, to take sort of hometown discounts to sign and stay here, I think you got to explore keeping them. Because you know, as Ron Hextall said to me a couple months ago, it's not like you can find those guys in the open market and not have to overpay for them. If you got guys that want to be here that are difference makers, I think the other thing to keep in mind. Is look, this is a fan base and a and a sponsorship base that is used to a certain style of hockey. In addition to winning, they're used to, you know, for 30 plus, you know, over 30 years now, from Mario Lemieux to Yarmir Yager to to these guys. It's it's a it's a yeah, the Penguins win, but you know they win with an offensive team. And look, I think it's easy to take for granted that, but uh, you know they, they're trying to renew sponsorships here, as every team is. And my understanding, many of the sponsors have said, look might be cute that you guys are thinking about rebuilding, but we're not handing over millions of dollars to see a a team in a rebuild when we want to see Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. So, you know, I think it's a really difficult decision for them. Ultimately, I think, at least with Malkin and Crosby, it's going to come down to what Mario Lemieux wants. Perhaps it's going to be that way with Chris Letang, too.
0: Just a quick thought before we let you go. I mean, Crosby has battled injury a lot in his career, sort of the untold story. I mean, he's a real fighter that way, isn't he?
1: Oh yeah, they both have. I mean, I, I you know it's, it's funny. I said to somebody, if you look at Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin's career numbers, Chris Letang's too, but especially those two. Um, if you like look at their points per game and extrapolate what they might have been able to do if they had just not each missed over you know 250 games in their career, just regular season. I mean, it's it's pretty scary. But yeah, I mean, Sidney had his prime, what we thought was his prime, wiped out by the concussion. And, uh, you know, he's been a really – probably been the best player in the league during this this past 15 years. But, yeah, I think if Sidney Crosby had been blessed with health, um, you know, he'd probably, he'd probably be a lot closer to some of the things that was expected of him when it comes to chasing all-time records. And I think if Evgeny Malkin was the same way, he'd probably – I think he'd probably have more points right now than if Alex Ovechkin, not more goals. Um, I'll just say this. Maybe it's the price you pay in Pittsburgh that, you know, Lemieux was always injured, uh, certainly had the cancer situation. I mean, maybe it's almost some karmic thing. If you're going to get these wonderful players, you kind of, I don't know, you have to, they, they, <laughs> some suffering has to happen. But I like to focus on what we have seen, and what we have seen from Sydney has been been, been marvelous. And as I told people last night on Twitter, when it comes to Crosby, Malkin, even Latang people are lamenting their injuries or when they have surgeries and all this stuff. I look at it this way. If you're in Pittsburgh right now, you've had 15 consecutive years of the postseason, three Stanley Cup championships, multiple MVPs, multiple scoring titles, all kind of great memories. Be grateful for whatever you get left because a lot of franchises would kill for just a little bit of this.
0: Extremely well said, Rob. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Rob Rossi, senior writer for The Athletic covering the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, So, you know, when you have a great player, obviously the guy has to be basically a workaholic. He's got to evolve. He's got to be doing things differently. He's got to be able to play with pain, Uh, and certainly the greats do. And and that's an untold story, really, for any great athlete is is the the pain threshold. Uh, The Sidney Crosby story is remarkable that way. The concussions, remember all that stuff. What a remarkable hockey player. We are blessed. There's no question about that. So, coming up very shortly, Gameplay with Matt Cause. And uh, it airs weekdays 1 to 4, Gameplay's Canada's first daily radio show focused on sports betting and fantasy, providing listeners with the inside edge on every sport along with the latest lines and best prop bets and more. Matthew Cause will have all of that lined up for you coming up in, in mere seconds, by the way. And a reminder, of course, the NFL season starts tonight. You can listen to it on TSN 1015. Watch it on... On T.S.N. One and three, Dallas and Tampa against uh, the Bucks, and uh, so the Cowboys and Bucks. Brady going for it again. There's another relentless story of, of brilliance and athletic achievement. And maybe we have another one here tonight, Lele Annie Fernandez against uh uh, at 7 o'clock on TSN 4 and 5. Can't wait to see what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Hope you come back and join us on Toronto Today. Gameplay is next on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and IR radio apps.